The Catholics of Oz is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to episode 108 of the Catholics of Oz. The Catholics of Oz is a show where we discuss faith, culture, and what's been happening from an Aussie perspective. Whether it's synods or science, apostolates and apps, providence or productivity, you can hear it right now on The Catholics of Oz. Hello, I'm Lindsay Sands and welcome to episode 108 of The Catholics of Oz. So before I introduce who else is here, because we're excited because it's been a while. Lino Sabal, how are you today? I'm good, Lindsay. I'm good. Yes. We've, again, uh, uh, we've been <laughs> manning the mics, defending the podcast, keeping it going. I guess it's more defending the, the science section. The science. Right? We've, we've had really weird science, and but people have been enjoying it. But now mm. people, look, someone's back. And she, she will definitely fact you out so much that you enjoy hearing about it. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's all, all that's I can say. real science. Yeah, that's and with right. That mind, that's right. <laughs> with that in mind, we are so happy. <laughs> and maybe relieved yeah. <laughs> for the grand return of my sister, Caroline Knight, our fellow co-host. Here she is. Caroline, welcome back to the podcast. How are you? Thank you. I'm so sorry. It's been Don't a be while, sorry, Caroline. Here. Don't be sorry. And thank you, guys. It's not your confession. We're happy. We're happy. Yeah. This is, yeah. yeah. Yes. And thank you, guys, for covering the science. It has been interesting whether you think so or not. I think a lot of people have loved your topic. We know you're obliged to say so that. So well done. <laughs> no, it's true. It's fun. It's fun. Science is fun. If you can't have fun with science, then, you know, it's not fun. It's boring. So, yeah, I'd like to keep the fun in science. And that's what you guys do. That's awesome. Thank you, Caroline. Thank you. <laughs> so Caroline has had a, a journey getting back to being behind the mics with us. And every now and then we all go through the ringer and, and we all have been through the ringer recently. I think Caroline has been the most rung, if that's how you put it. But like, <laughs> yeah. Honestly, it is so good to have you back. This feels normal. And I love catching up on uh, podcasting, but I think it's just the missing link is back again. So yes, it's right. No, thank it's you. Right. I've missed it too. I've missed hanging out with you guys on a Saturday morning too early. Yeah, I've missed it. it yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, slowly waking up. We're getting there. We're getting there. <laughs> no, it's good to be back. Thank you. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we're happy to guide you back into how to podcast. We'll show you where everything is. So you remember where the coffee machine <laughs> is you. over there and the microphone's there. I think oh, yeah. You thank go. you. So thank you're not you. on mute. Got so I think, we're, I think we're winning. Got your cup of tea. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. good. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Let's roll on then. So first of all, if you're new to listening to the Catholics of Oz, you can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, or your favorite podcast player. Don't forget to give us a five-star rating and some positive feedback so that we can hear from you and reach new people, which is what we are all about. SQPN also hosts the Catholics of Oz on YouTube. You can subscribe to StarQuest there, and don't forget to hit the bell and get notifications so that when new episodes of this show and all the other great shows on StarQuest are released, you will know about it. And trust me, you do not want to miss out because we want to have fun with you with the things that we talk about. So let's move on then, team, and let's talk about Faith Beyond Borders. Well, I'm actually feeling rather good about this. I think we've all arrived at a very special place, eh? Spiritually, ecumenically. How do you make somebody love you without affecting free will? Welcome to my world, son. You come up with an answer to that one, you let me know. 
Yes, I had to work very hard to pass Latin and theology. Oh, quite. Those are, of course, the most important things. Oh, yeah. I'd sit this one out, Cap. That'll see how I can. These guys come from legend. They're basically gods. There's only one god, man. And I'm pretty sure he doesn't dress like that. So, this podcast is its starting to sound a little bit like the Synod show because I have brought up <laughs> things to do with, with the Synod on Synodality recently. And I guess, in a way, I'm not too concerned about that, that it's been a frequent topic in the last couple of months because it's the here and now of the church, right? It's what's happening. And mm, I like to yeah. remind everyone, and I have to remind myself of this a lot, that this is not just an event or a meeting happening in Rome, right? That, that is part of it. But this is the universal church discussing how to be church into the future, which is such an important discussion to have. There's always the risk of any of church, of, of even parish, whatever you might want to call it, any level of the church of becoming stale, stagnant. I'm trying to find a word that means not moving, not doing anything. So not doing all the right things, which is good, but in doing all the right things, not bringing other people into faith in Christ. So yes, the people who are part of the church, part of the parish, whatever it might be, they're being fed, they're receiving Christ in whatever way that might be through the word, through Eucharist and whatever, but they're not necessarily being encouraged to bring anyone else in because what we've got is good. So why don't we just keep it this way? But we're not a church that was ever called to keep it this way. We're a church that's called to read, as John the 23rd said before the Second Vatican Council, to read the signs of the time and inject Christ into those times. I've just paraphrased, I've just added a little bit to his phrase there, but we read the signs of the times so that we can help to make Christ known and loved in those times. And so I think the Synod on Synodality is an important move in doing that from what I've read, from what I've observed, from what I've come to understand. But here's the problem. This synod is going on for the universal church, but maybe not a lot of people know about it. And maybe sometimes what they do learn about it, they learn from commentators who are not too excited about it, who say some very negative things about it, and we start missing the boats. And people start saying, this is not of Christ, or how can the Holy Spirit be present? Or they're telling the Holy Spirit what to think and then saying the Spirit said it. It's like all this conjecture, blah, 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 whatever it might be. What I've tried to do is follow the essence or the core, you know, go straight to the source rather than looking at what the commentators are saying. Just go uh, trustingly on what's been released, what's being said, and then viewing it from there. Not that I'm perfect, but the thing is, uh, I'm trying not to get involved in the controversy, the spin, the the I don't know, all the all I guess all the narratives that are made up around the the synod for what it is. So that's my really long intro to say that <laughs> at this stage. The first session of the Synod, October this year, is now wrapping up. It's just about finished and concluded. The Synod participants are now going to go away for a year and reflect on what they've experienced. And they're going to return again in October next year for, for more discussion. And then some things will be promulgated and some decisions will be made. There is a synthesis document that at some stage will be released which means I'll have a lot of ring to do to talk about it in another podcast, but it will tell us where, where things are at. What I wanted to do, guys, is share. There's a letter that was written by the Synod participants to everyone else, to us, the, to the entire worldwide church. And the letter is basically a summary of their experiences. From the Synod website, it says the following. This, this, what, this is officially how they talked about it. It said, a draft of the letter was read to applause from Synod delegates during a presentation on October 23rd 
according to Paolo Ruffini, president of the Synod's Information Commission. Some changes were then incorporated into the letter before it was voted on and released to the public on Wednesday, four days before the conclusion of the October 4th to 29th Assembly. Of the 348 delegates present for the vote, 366 voted in favour of the letter and 12 voted against. So they don't tell us who, why people voted for or against. It doesn't really matter. Overwhelmingly, the letter. this is the letter that they said wanted to be released to the worldwide church to say, here's what's happening. So I thought I might read from the letter and then maybe we might just respond and react to bits and pieces of it. Is, are we okay to do that, guys? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Although I say we're okay to do that, that's what we're doing. So you don't really have a choice. But, <laughs> all right. So, this is being um, polite now. <laughs> that was me being polite. Yeah. All right. Or passive aggressive, whichever one you want to call it. <laughs> all right. Let's go. So it starts like this. It says, dear sisters, dear brothers, at the proceedings of the first session of the 16th Ordinary General Assembly of the Synod, as they draw to a close, we want to thank God with all of you for the beautiful and enriching experience we have had. We lived this blessed time in profound communion with all of you. We were supported by your prayers, bearing with your expectations, your questions, as well as your fears. As Pope Francis requested two years ago, a long process of listening and discernment was initiated, open to all the people of God. No one being excluded to journey together under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, missionary disciples engaged in the following of Jesus Christ. The session in which we have been gathered in Rome since 30th September is important is an important phase of this process. In many ways, it has been an unprecedented experience. For the first time, at Pope Francis' invitation, men and women have been invited. So, men and women have been invited, in virtue of their baptism, to sit at the same table to take part, not only in the discussions, but also in the voting process of this assembly on the Synod of Bishops. Together, in the complementarity of our vocations, our charisms, and our ministries, We've listened intensely to the word of God and the experience of others. Using the conversation in the spirit method, we've humbly shared the wealth and poverty of our communities from every continent, seeking to discern what the Holy Spirit wants to say in the church today. We have thus also experienced the importance of fostering mutual exchanges between the Latin tradition and the traditions of Eastern Christianity. The participation of fraternal delegates from other churches and ecclesial communities deeply enriched our discussions. Our assembly took place in the context of a world in crisis, whose wounds and scandalous inequalities resonated painfully in our hearts, infusing our work with particular gravity, especially since some of us come from countries where war rages. We prayed for the victims of deadly violence, without forgetting all those who have been forced by misery and corruption to take the dangerous road of migration. We assured our solidarity and commitment alongside the women and men all over the world who are working to build justice and peace. At the invitation of the Holy Father, we made significant room for silence to foster mutual listening and a desire for communion in the spirit among us. During the opening ecumenical vigil, we experienced how the thirst of unity increases in the silence of contemplation of the crucified Christ. In fact, the cross is the only cathedral of the one who having given himself for the salvation of the world entrusted his disciples to his father so that they may all be one. Firmly united in the hope brought by his resurrection, we entrusted to him our common home where the cries of the earth and the poor are becoming increasingly urgent. Laudate Deum, as Pope Francis reminds us at the beginning of our work. 
So that's the first half of the letter. And as you can see, it's quite dense. There's a lot being talked about there. They're trying to contain all of the experiences of the synod in one. And that's just the first half or just over halfway. So Caroline, I might throw it to you first. Just what stood out, what thoughts in your reflections on anything from that letter that you heard? Like you said, it's summarizing. There's a lot in there. (laughs) You'd have to break it apart bit by bit. But it's a good reflection of what they've gone through so far. And yeah. I think we need to, to read on, <laughs> get a bit more, yeah. get more out of that. But yeah, I just think, yeah, it's, it's a good reflection and it gives us a lot to think about too. It's good that they're able to give us a good kind of summary and information about what they've been through and share that information with us. Yeah. I think that's for people who don't have time or didn't have time to read the working mm. document before the Synod and not mm. many people would in our busy lives. It's a, Unless you're recording a podcast or you're like writing about it or whatever, there wouldn't have been a lot of people who have sat down to read it. So I think as the summary is helpful because mm. you can see, as you were saying, that you can see the summary of the topics that they've been grappling with so far, mm. which I think is really exactly. good. Yeah, Lino, any thoughts on what you've heard so far? Yeah, so the part saying using the conversation in the spirit method. We have humbly shared the wealth and poverty of our communities in every continent. So that sort of was spoke to me because not every church and community are equal in their in the money side of things, but it's more the spiritual wealth. I feel that's more. I know they're talking about the money side of it, but I think it's more the spiritual um, part of it because some communities and everything need a lot of um, help in a sense to keep together. They're like, like small communities of Catholic families who even sometimes live on an island and they will, they'll like to go to Mass and go through everything. And and so it was good to see they were working together to the, in their spiritual way to move forward with their faith. So I like that part of it. And it's yeah, like you said, Lizzie, it's, it's, a, it's more of a smaller version of what was been going on in the synod. You know, you and I have yeah. been talking about it, but no, there's a lot more they can <laughs> they can talk yeah. about in that side. But that was part of the synod meetings we've had. Yeah, that that was good. Yeah, for the three of us as lay Catholics who are looking at our church from our everyday life experience, mm. it's mm. good to see, it's good to know what they've been talking about through that summary, because we also have our own reflections on those topics too, don't we? We've, we, on this podcast, we've spoken about, for example, it talks about missionary discipleship. I was very pleased to see that language being used at the highest levels of the church. I'm sure it's been used before. Don't get me wrong. But the fact that it's still at the forefront of the thinking that, that as lay people, we are missionary disciples, but we don't necessarily always know what that means. We don't necessarily know where our opportunities to be missionary disciples are or how you'd even approach that being a mission, you know, even though Christ has sent us to be that through our baptisms. And usually when you think missionary, you're like, oh, I have to go overseas and help people who are less fortunate. And yeah. But it's not necessarily the meaning because mm. you can be a missionary in your own little mm. area and be a missionary for Christ, just doing little things. So true. You know, it doesn't have to be yeah. grand things. So true. Yeah. And some people um, are afraid of that word because missionary is also coupled with the word evangelization. And some people, mm-hmm. and I, w- I would say mistakenly, think that means you need to be out on the streets with a Bible going, have you met the Lord Jesus Christ, yeah. your Savior? like yeah. our local friendly Latter-day Saints yeah. and the, what are the other ones that always come around and yeah. <laughs> I keep telling them, I'm happy, thank you very yeah, much. That's right, yeah. <laughs> Do you like to come to my church? Yeah. <laughs> so true, right? And yeah. So I'm happy to see the church is thinking about that. For example, I think my yeah. missionary work is in different places, right? It's in my family. 
Yeah, it's in my parish. Yeah, definitely um, parish as well. Yeah. And yeah. I, I think yeah. it's in my job as a teacher as well. I always see it mm. as a missionary. Mm. Not that I'm trying. Not that I'm there to evangelize the heathens. But the thing is, like, that's a very silly way to think. <laughs> I'm doing like, that for Lindsay. Sorry. Yeah, but, but sometimes <laughs> yeah. when you think yeah. you're a missionary, it's I'm better because I've got this thing and everyone yeah. else better. It's it's yeah. more. How do I put it? I'm broken, but Christ is with me. And I want to show exactly. that in my brokenness, Christ's journeys with me through the way that I try and behave and treat others. Like, for example, sometimes it's so silly, right? But sometimes a student will say, Oh, you open the door. You're so nice. And I'm like, and in my head, I'm like, no, that's so normal. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like yeah. why is that? Like, just these things that, you know, and it's, it's these things that we do with our words and with our, with our bodies, whatever else that, that is evangelizing. Yeah. Yeah. So I could talk about this for hours, but I'll digress too much if I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It goes from evangelization and mission and discipleship through to mentioning this is the first time that women have been part of a synod and been able to vote. And we actually, Caroline, we talked about this, I don't know, sometime this year, right? And I was gently making the point that, that women are baptized and they're missionary disciples, but sometimes in some parts of the church and it's not a criticism i think it's just something that's culturally set itself in right it's like men and women don't have an equal status as baptized and some people will groan that i've said that right and if you're groaning because things are great in your community i say good on you that's great all right if you've yeah, worked it out yeah but remember that this is a worldwide synod and yeah. there are parts of the world and parts of the church who have not got it right yet you know what I mean? Where there is still exclusion, there is still this thinking of this person is primary, this person is secondary, if that makes sense. So again, I speak because this is a worldwide church and there are still areas of where women who are baptized, who are missionary disciples are not being looked at as that, right? That their discipleship is somehow 30% less because they're simply women. Yeah, yeah, it's probably because men can be priests, women can be nuns, and that's about and that's it, it. That's right? all there is, right? And, yeah. And, yeah. And it tends to be like, oh, so women can't do as much. But women can do a lot in the that's church. It. Women can Definitely. do so many yeah. things. There's so many roles. Yeah. And if you're a woman and you want to participate, go to your parish and say, what can I do? Mm. Is there something I can do? I think it's improving too. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. see a lot of women participation mm. more than before yeah. now. Yeah. I think it, there's a long way to go, but I think we're heading in the right direction for sure. Yeah, and I think having having a number of women at the Synod uh, with voting rights as part of the governance of the church is a big step in the right direction because we need their perspective as well. Yeah. 100%. Yeah, yeah we have a lot to contribute. Yeah. Women, have a, women, women and men have obviously different personalities yeah. and different ways of looking at things and if you can get both together then it's where the church is just going to be richer for oh, it definitely Absolutely. yeah so definitely yeah. what's that saying two heads are better than one but in the sense yeah. when men and women work together it's a great team and with our team yes. we yeah. can build our faith yeah. look all of us are married and we know that yeah without the other partner and with and we won't have that support as much but we work with each That's other right. through it and of course, we have our disagreements and, our, yeah. and all that stuff, but we work through it. And it's great to see men and women working in our church and our family. Yeah. yeah, one enriches the other. Exactly. You, may be, exactly. You, know, you can learn from each other. That's yeah. And in, yeah, in so, fact, the letter yeah. mentions that complementarity of men and women right there, yeah. working together in cooperation yeah. as baptized. Yeah. So, marriage yeah. is a great example. Marriage is, marriage is a great <laughs> example of that, yeah. 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 Oh, we yeah. are married. Yeah. There's a faith of our Lord within us. And with that yeah. togetherness. Mm. Yeah. And, and with yeah. marriage, you can't 
can't do it on your own, can you? Like it takes the married couple working together for it to succeed in, in mm. all of its aspects, doesn't it? Definitely. You yeah, you can't necessarily carry it on your own. And uh, in a way that's symbolic, like you said, Caroline, of the church, we need to listen to all the voices. Mm. We can't mm-hmm. just do it. You mm-hmm. can't just have... And I'm not denigrating men, so calm down, everyone. But like, you can't have men deciding, <laughs> no. but like deciding the spirituality of women, if that makes sense, or deciding because yeah. it's one. You, you like I was a, saying, it's one side. Yeah, you need it's a woman's perspective to enrich yeah. that Definitely. understanding. Definitely. Right? Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, both of us yeah. together. Yeah. yeah. All right, let's move yeah. on. And I we haven't even spoken about our common home on the environment. So <laughs> okay, but yeah, we have opinions. Yeah. Having said that, we did talk about Laudate Dame in the last episode, so you can yeah you can hear our thoughts on that there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, moving on. Then I'll, we'll get to the end of this letter it says day by day we felt the pressing call to pastoral missionary conversion for the church's vocation is to proclaim the gospel not by focusing on itself but by placing itself at the service of infinite love with which god loved the world when homeless people near saint peter square were asked about their expectations regarding the church on the occasion of the synod they replied love this love must always remain the ardent heart of the church a trinitarian and eucharistic love as the Pope recalled on October 15th, midway through our assembly, invoking the message of St. Therese of the Child of Jesus. It is trust that gives us the audacity and inner freedom that we experienced, not hesitating to freely and humbly express our convergences, differences, desires, and questions. And now, we hope that the months leading to the second session of the Synod in October 2024 will allow everyone to concretely participate in the dynamism of missionary communion indicated by the word synod this is not about ideology but about an experience rooted in the apostolic tradition as the pope reminded us at the beginning of this process communion and mission can risk remaining somewhat abstract unless we cultivate an ecclesial praxis that expresses the concreteness of synodality encouraging real involvement on the part of each and all there are multiple challenges and numerous questions The synthesis report of the first session will specify the points of agreement we have reached, highlight the open questions, and indicate how our work will proceed. To progress in its discernment, the church absolutely needs to listen to everyone, starting with the poorest. This requires a path of conversion on its part, which is also a path of praise. I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. It means listening to those who have been denied the right to speak in society or who feel excluded, even by the church. Listening to people who are victims of racism in all its forms, in particular, in some regions, to indigenous peoples whose cultures have been scorned. Above all, the church of our time has the duty to listen, in a spirit of conversion, to those who have been victims of abuse committed by members of the ecclesial body, and to commit herself concretely and structurally to ensuring that this does not happen again. The church also needs to listen to the laity, women and men, all called to holiness by virtue of their baptismal vocation, to the testimony of catechists, who in many situations are the first proclaimers of the gospel, to the simplicity and vivacity of children, the enthusiasm of youth, to their questions and their pleas, to the dreams, wisdom and memory of elderly people. The church needs to listen to families, to their educational concerns, to the Christian witness they offer in today's world. She needs to welcome the voice of those who want to be involved in lay ministries and to participate in discernment and decision-making structures. To progress further in synodal discernment, the church particularly needs to gather even more the words and experience of the ordained ministers, 
priests and primary collaborators of the bishops, whose sacramental ministry is indispensable for the life of the whole body, deacons who through their ministry signify the care of the entire church for the most vulnerable. She also needs to let herself be questioned by the prophetic voice of consecrated life, the watchful sentinel of the Spirit's call. She also needs to be attentive to all those who do not share her faith but are seeking the truth and in whom the Spirit, who offers everyone the possibility of being associated with this paschal mystery, is also present and operative. The world in which we live and in which we are called to love and serve, even with its contradictions, demands that the Church strengthen her cooperation in all areas of her mission. It is precisely this path of synodality which God expects of the Church of the third millennium. We do not need to be afraid to respond to his call. Mary, mother of the church, the first on the journey, accompanies our pilgrimage. In joy and in sorrow, she shows us her son and invites us to trust. And he, Jesus, is our only hope. If you thought the first half was dense, (laughs) welcome to the second half. There's a lot going on there as well. So again, just quickly, Caroline, your thoughts, what popped out Mm. to you from that second half? I just love how they want everybody's voices here. Everybody, the poor, the elderly, the minorities, children, everybody. Everyone has a voice. And together we can all, by giving opinions, giving our input, we are all the church, aren't we? Yes. It's not just a few people. It's mm. not just priests. It's not just nuns. It's not just people who work in the archdiocese yeah. office. It's not that. It's everybody. So it just makes sense that everybody can have some kind of input. Representations from all parts of society can have an input in the church. And it's not to change the church. It's just to have voices and to just to know what everybody's saying and I don't think there's anything wrong with that there's nothing to be afraid of it's not like all of a sudden the practices of the church are going to change because it's only the one true church that Jesus made and that is who we are and that's how we practice our faith I mean there can sometimes there can be little improvements you know that can be made to make say on the parish level to make people from certain minorities more welcome um, to make children more welcome to make them feel that they're important in church as well because sometimes they're just seen as noisy little brats (laughs) you know who keep fidgeting you know Um, all of Mm. that kind of thing and I think that's the point of it more than I have seen some people saying oh it's just gonna change everything look we're just Mm. we're gonna it's gonna make everything different but I don't think that's the idea I don't think that's the idea either yeah yeah yeah, exactly. it's just mm. to, because there are functional things that we can do to make everyone feel more included. Yeah. And I think that is one point of all of this as well. Yeah. So yeah, I love to hear that everybody can have a voice here. Yeah, great one. And Lena, any thoughts on that second half? Yeah, that's definitely. When it says the church also needs to listen to the laity, women and men, Caroline said, it's good to see that the church is listening to other people's voices. And everything, and we've gone to different churches and seen that of how they celebrate mass. More the connection and all the people of the church listening to other people's voices. And once again, we were just talking before everyone coming together. And we all know that the word church is not just the building; it's the people around it. And Jesus is the church, and we are sisters and brothers together, and children of Christ. And with that, 
we are the church together and we are working together to make that our spirituality much stronger. Yeah. 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 No, that's great. I think that, yeah, just listening to voices, like you said, mm. like you've both been alluding to as well. And this, this idea that we're not, we're not looking at changing the church. Like for example, changing suddenly there's a fourth person in the Trinity and becomes, you know what I mean? Like not, nothing like, no, or tearing no, down no, the no. church and making it something different or whatever. But the, the whole point mm. is that the church exists in the world. And the exactly. church is there to bring Christ to the world. And how are we doing that? Are we, or are we only doing it for a certain group of people uh, to the exclusion of other people? Yes. Because if we are, then we're not doing the gospel right. We're not doing it properly. Uh, even Christ, look who Christ goes to in, in the gospels. He goes to the people who are, who are being rejected by their mm. own religion. Mm. But the religion that's meant to be bringing God to them and they're being left out because they're not pure, they're not this, they're not that, they're just not good enough to be holy according to these very rigid structures that emerged in their own religion. And so I think this synod is just trying to make sure that we don't put barriers to people entering the church because there shouldn't be no barrier to Christ at all. If, if someone is desiring this relationship with Christ, we shouldn't be putting up a barrier so that people can't be welcome anymore. Um, and, and if we think about it, if you look around your typical parish, you know, just as an experiment next Sunday, look around, who's there? Are only mm. the people that you're comfortable with? You know what I mean? Mm, Awkward question, right? Um, it is, it is. Uh, who's in your surrounding suburbs that your parish is meant to be ministering to? Does it reach out to all of them? Or does it only reach out to a few? And that's not to say that, that whoever's listening to this, it's not to say that you're the problem, but it's just simply to say that sometimes we get comfortable with the way things are. Definitely. Does not want us to be comfortable. The spirit wants us to move. And that's the important thing, right? To bring our faith into our surroundings. And the synod is setting that example for that is, is bringing our faith to where, to where we are today. I'm not trying to bring the faith to where we were 60 years ago because that doesn't exist anymore. It's gone. I'm sorry. But mm. life as we know it is not the same as it was 20 years ago even. It's here and now. The one word as I'm thinking in my mind is being inclusive. Yeah. Or was that a bit yeah. too much? To no, be... it's correct. Yeah, mm. it's correct. Um, the church would use, in Catholic social teaching, we have a word subsidiarity, which is the idea that everyone is able to speak up about their condition in life, not have people speak for them without knowing, just making assumptions, right? But actually hearing from the voices of the people who are in the situation so they can help with the suggestions of the improvements that, that need to be made. Subsidiarity is, like I said, it's one of our, our big things. So is our preferential option for the poor. This exactly. is all Catholic social teaching based on the gospel. Yeah, so yeah, you're right, Lydia. I mean, inclusive, inclusivity, and I know it's been hijacked a bit by some crazy people to become something yeah, else that exactly. it isn't. All right, it but isn't. in the church, yep. inclusivity was... is access to Christ, access to the church, isn't it? So we've got to look at that. Yeah, all right. So I was going to go through, but we haven't got time. I was going to add an, an Australian voice through a letter by, by Archbishop Timothy Costello. However, we haven't got time, but I will put a link to that in the show notes because he's been writing reflections on his time at the Synod. He's one of the Australian delegates there. And I think it is definitely worth reading. It's not a long read. It's from the Melbourne Catholics. So it's been published right here in uh, the Archdiocese of Melbourne. I'll include that in the show notes. And I, if anyone would like some further reflections on the Synod, yeah, you can go ahead and read that. I did want to add one more thing. So just very quickly, some people have been concerned that this is elevate the laity, push aside our ordained priests and bishops and whatever. I do appreciate in the letter that they address that. 
by saying, no, we need their voices too. Again, they have an indispensable role in our church and we do need to ensure that we're not excluding them by saying, listen to everyone, right? When we say listen to everyone, it it really is everyone's voices coming together. That includes our bishops and our priests and deacons and other Hmm. ordains and consecrated people as well. We absolutely need to work with them and have their voice because they also have a perspective that we don't have as lay people, right? That, yeah, they're in, they're, they are embedded in communities and they see things that we can't see. They have a richness of experience that, that is really important in terms of understanding the spiritual needs of all of their people too. Yeah, that was in the back of my mind. I just had to get that one out as well before we move on. Yeah. All right. With that in mind, let's move on, Caroline. Excited for this because you get to tell to us about science. Ah, what a fine day for science. You have any hobbies? I collect spores, molds, and fungus. Can you reverse the polarity? I'll do my best. Let's talk about what we have managed to extract from a few a few asteroids, comets, etc. I might get that wrong. That have been anyway near Earth objects, and what we've discovered from those. Over to you. Yeah, so I thought this time we would talk about the samples from asteroids that we've only that we've got so far, and an overview of their missions of and some of the findings. So. Basically, just to recap for those who want a, a good definition, so an asteroid is really a small rocky object that orbits the sun. They're smaller than planets, a lot smaller than planets, and most of them are found in the asteroid belt, which lies in our solar system between Mars and Jupiter. So by studying asteroids, we hope to find out the important information of our solar system and potentially the origins of life and origins of life on Earth. They're bought, they're thought to be remnants of the early solar system and they can act as time capsules that preserve the life's earliest stages. There have been three spacecraft launched that have been tasked with approaching an asteroid and taking a sample, which was then returned to Earth. So it's just a little bit of a history and from back then and to now. So these were the JAXA or Japan Exploration Agency Hayabusa mission, which launched in 2003 and took samples from the asteroid Itokawa. These samples were returned to Earth in 2010. There was the JAXA Hayabusa 2 mission, which launched in 2014 and landed back on Earth in December 2020 from the asteroid Ryugu. And then lastly, there was the NASA OSIRIS-REx mission, which has been in the news lately, mm. that had launched in 2016 and collected samples from the asteroid Bennu. Mm. Yes, and that one landed in Utah this past September. This past September, yeah. So these three asteroids, Itokawa, Ryugu and Bennu, were chosen because of their proximity to Earth. They are all called near-Earth asteroids, which means they're relatively easy to reach with the current spacecraft technology, and it makes it easier to collect samples and return them to Earth for their analysis. They also were chosen because they are carbon-rich, and carbon, as we know, is an essential element for life, um, as we know it, and studying these samples could provide some insights into how life originated. Um, so let's go through these asteroids and a little bit about their background and then um, a bit of what they found on each asteroid. So 
we're really getting into asteroids today. <laughs> so, yeah, we always let's put it yeah. right. We're the yeah. kinds of people, right? You can have your yeah. you, you can have your movies and your streaming and Nintendos. We love all that yeah. stuff too. But if they're live streaming a sample being returned to Earth, we're on that. You know what I mean? Totally. <laughs> so, we're on, we're it. on it. Yeah, totally. Get me the popcorn. Yes. Yeah, give me a couple. I'll watch this for yeah. five hours. You got it. <laughs> yeah. If there's a press conference about somebody talking about asteroids, I'm right there. Yeah. No worries. Yeah. yeah, give me a good rocket launch any day. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. We're totally into that. Yeah. Um, and we do share when there's a rocket launch and we watch it together yeah. online. So it's really cool, good. Yeah. Apart, but together. I can tell you all about so where anyway. Starship is up to. I won't, but I could. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We could do that another time. Yeah. <laughs> so let's start with asteroid Itokawa, which was an asteroid discovered in 1998 by the Lincoln Near Earth Asteroid Research Program. And that program ran for 15 years. It was a collaboration between the USA Air Force, NASA and MIT. Ground-based telescopes were used to search for near-Earth objects. This asteroid is a peanut-shaped S-type, or it's a silicaceous, I think that's how you call it, silicaceous, made of silicon, stony asteroid, measuring about 330 metres or 1,100 feet in diameter. And it's thought to be more like a pile of boulders crammed together than mm. rather than a single solid body. Yeah. Yeah, this was the first asteroid to be sampled and 1,500 regolith dust particles were collected from the surface. These particles were found to contain heated and unheated organic materials and water. They think that the organic material in the asteroid was first heated to about 600 degrees Celsius and then a further organic material as well as uh, water landed on the surface of the asteroid later on after the asteroid had cooled down. That's why you have a mixture of the heated and unheated. This finding is pretty exciting because it gives insight into how the asteroid evolved and over time and indicates that asteroids developed chemically in a similar way to how Earth became what it is today. Mm. So pretty cool asteroid there. And obviously with all of these asteroids, they never stop studying the particles. There are always research bodies asking for samples of, of each of the asteroids. So there's always further study, but this is what they've found so far cool. for yeah. asteroid Itakawa. Yeah. And I think it's not very much spoken about that one, so I thought I'd bring it to the forefront Definitely. as well. Yeah. So we would have heard of asteroid Ryugu. I think a lot of people who are into this would have heard of it before. And this was from the Hayabusa 2 mission from JAXA. This one measures approximately 900 metres or 3,000 feet in diameter. It's classified as a C and B type carbon-rich asteroid. It's a diamond-shaped asteroid. It spins on an axis like a spinning top and has boulders on its surface, suggesting it was involved in impacts in the past. The Hayabusa 2 craft spent about a year and a half observing the asteroid before it took samples. Then samples were collected by first firing projectiles towards the surface and collecting the resulting debris, and this was done in 2019. I think we talked about this, and didn't they, we, as a preview? We yeah, did. About, yeah, we like did, shooting yes. an asteroid and yeah, hoping no one gets angry That's and shoots right. back. Yeah, yes, yeah. It, yeah, yeah, it'll be in one of our past episodes. Yeah. I don't know the number off by heart, Very the cool. episode yeah. number off by heart, but yeah, we did go into depth. Yeah. They did end up collecting about 30 milligrams of the sample from this asteroid. In July 2021, the samples were extracted and analysed, 
And upon analysis, they found that the asteroid contained water, carbon, nitrogen, and oxygen, as well as a large variety of organic molecules, including 20 different kinds of amino acids. So we know amino acids are the base unit of proteins, which are very important to life, like in our muscles are made of proteins, plants contain proteins, enzymes. So proteins are pretty important. So it's amazing they found the Mm. amino acids on these asteroids. It's quite a significant discovery, I'd say. So in March this year, it was announced that also uracil, which is a nucleotide base of RNA, and vitamin B3, which is nice and was also found in the samples. Crazy, crazy. So that is pretty cool. And RNA is an important molecule because it's used in the translation of DNA to protein in our bodies. And now Mm. we have no proof, but it adds to the case that there could be life somewhere else if all of these molecules and proteins, etc. are common Mm. to our universe. It makes you wonder if there are... like For me, it increases the the case that it's possible that there could be life somewhere else as well. Yeah, if you have perfect conditions like we did here on Earth, there's no reason why you wouldn't have life anywhere else. I totally agree. Yeah. And I guess that's what they're trying to do with missions on Mars, trying to find information about past life and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, pretty pretty exciting stuff. And now studying these asteroids, we can find out where the life might have originated from. So, yes, the RNA is part of genetic material, also found in viruses, which is pretty cool. Oh, yeah, but viruses, we don't know if we're actually life form or not yet. (laughs) Yeah, that's another podcast. And we don't like them. They can be useful. I wouldn't say we don't like them. They can be useful. But the ones we know of that make us sick are not useful. Not a fan. Not a fan. Yeah. <laughs> yes. No. And the B3 they found in the asteroid, vitamin B3 is important in humans for obtaining energy from food. So that's another cool mm. thing to think about as well. It's amazing that all of these molecules were found on Ryugu really does carry the building blocks of life and supports the theory that perhaps asteroids played an important role mm. in the origin of life on Earth. It could be the contribution of organic materials from these asteroids added to the chemical components needed to create. So that's so awesome. So yeah, early Earth getting bombarded by asteroids. Some people think that life started (laughs) from aliens anyway. (laughs) We could be alien chemicals, maybe not alien organisms. Yeah. I've seen that movie. I've seen that. Yeah. (laughs) Alien chemicals, maybe alien organic molecules and other things like that. In a recent episode, Lino and I were talking about the asteroid, the the big crater in Chichalub as well. Chichalub, yeah. 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 Yeah, I've had a lot of fun uh, fun listening to feedback about that, but there you go, an asteroid that's who knows what was on that that contributed. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Exactly, it's not talking about asteroids or destruction. Wasn't that an asteroid that sort of created life, Caroline? <laughs> it does both. Yeah, I mean, you don't want to be in its way when it hits you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah true. But it could That's be true. contributing your next amazing vitamin that you need in your body. Yeah. So, <laughs> there you go. Oh, yeah, understand. <laughs> totally understand. Yeah. yeah. So... The last asteroid I'd like to talk today, talk to you today about is asteroid Bennu. So we've heard a lot about this mm-hmm. one in the news if you've been following. This one's been visited by NASA OSIRIS-REx mission. It's the first US spacecraft to collect a sample from an asteroid. So Bennu is a B-type carbon-rich asteroid. It has a diameter of 490 meters or 1,610 feet. It's thought that it's a primitive asteroid which hasn't gone 
undergone much in the way of geological change since its time of formation, which is, that's another good reason to have it as a target. It was probably formed in the asteroid belt between Mars and Jupiter after breaking off a large asteroid between 700 million and 2 billion years ago. And this asteroid is actually on the, get this, the century risk table, which means it's actually a potentially hazard object to Earth. Oh, Yes. According to NASA, we may be getting a very close-up view of Bennu in about 159 years. So, Not too close, I hope. hope (laughs) Hopefully it's not that close. Wow. Bennu makes a close approach to Earth every six years and has has had three near-Earth encounters in 1999, 2005, and 2011. And scientists currently estimate a one in a 2,700 or 0.037% chance of Bennu impacting Earth by 2,182. So maybe, I probably missed. (laughs) NASA explained that while the chances of hitting Earth are very low, Bennu remains one of one of the two most hazardous Mm. known asteroids in our solar system, along with another asteroid called 1950DA, which they haven't given it another name. It's a terrible name. name. <laughs> yeah. It's a terrible name. Yeah. They should call it, I don't know, Angry. Angry. Or something. <laughs> <laughs> something close by. <laughs> anyway, that's just to your top of my head name. So since the sample of these asteroids have only just been returned to Earth, it'll take some time for us to know the exact chemical composition of the samples. But the first look at the sample could be seen on the container lid and base when it was retrieved and it showed a fine grain dark material. 250 grams of the sample was collected, which is the most out of all the asteroid mm. missions so far. Mm-hmm. And more than... NASA was expecting to collect because before the sample canister was stowed away after collection, samples actually seemed leaking out of it. Yes. Oh, and they were wow. a bit worried. Yeah. Yes. So I remember when NASA collected the sample, they used a robotic arm mm-hmm. to touch the asteroid and shoot some nitrogen gas yes. onto the surface. Yep. I'm pretty sure we spoke about this yeah. as well. They were thinking that the asteroid wasn't going to be as soft as it was mm. and it blew much more material into the air than oh, they were expecting. Ouch. And <laughs> Yeah, they managed to collect quite a, a lot, bit. Yeah. Oh, um, oh, oh, wow. There is some great footage of this sample collection and there is a link in the show notes for this one. There's just a quick YouTube video yeah. so you can have a look. I, I um, recommend anyone actually, to watch it. It is very cool. Yeah, It's really yeah. cool. It's really cool. Yes, yeah. totally cool. Lately, actually, NASA, I think it was October 10 or 11 this year, recently, NASA did a press conference to talk about the preliminary finds that was taken from the sample Bennu, and they found that the sample is made up of hydrated clay minerals, meaning they contain water, and the, yeah, which and they're made up of dust and large sized particles. They also found that there's iron oxide type minerals as well as carbon and organic matter when they looked at it using fluorescent microscopy. And they said the sample was described as an astrobiologist's dream. Oh. So it's made up of a whole concoction of everything well. that could be beginnings of life. And all of this is actually from the sample that's outside the canister. They haven't actually opened up the canister Ooh. yet because there's so much stuff on the outside yeah. that they're very meticulous about collecting every single yeah. particle. particle. First. So, yes, they will be 
first doing that and then opening the canister and then having a go for it. And then they'll be open up for submissions by various yeah. scientific groups who can apply to have some sample yeah. and do some studies. That, um, that but I thought I'd also mention that Cyrus Rex didn't land back here. It actually kept going yeah, it's been until so, it's been Cyrus out there. Apex. Yeah, it's still out there. That's yeah. it. And it's going to the Apophis asteroid to sample that one oh, as wow. well. Cool. Then I thought I'd quickly mention a couple of other quick asteroid missions. So the Lucy mission is coming up. Yes. That will be following a, a group of Trojan asteroids that actually follow the orbit of Jupiter around oh, the sun. Wow. So Ooh. it's currently on its way there. Yep. It wants to actually do some asteroid hopping, so going from one to another, which would be really cool. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, it's like island hopping we have. It's, it's asteroid hopping. Asteroid yes. hopping, yeah. Asteroid so hopping. cool. And yeah. then another really mm. cool one is the Psyche asteroid, which is thought to be have a high composition of metal, probably oh. nickel. Oh, nickel. And that will be launching yep. if it hasn't launched already soon. I think I – did I see that launch? I must have. So, yes. Pretty exciting. They're calling it Asteroid Autumn in NASA oh, at the moment cool. because yeah. there's so much asteroid science going <laughs> on. The planets, everything is exciting when you're talking about space. Mm-hmm. And even these little simple asteroids, they're not so simple after mm. all, as we're finding yeah. out. So, yeah. yeah, there you go. Love it. That's so good. <laughs> yeah, you can just imagine being a scientist who is working on the OSIRIS-REx like samples and I don't know how you're not excited every day you go to work. I don't even know how you. Oh. I don't even know how you'd go home because you'd just be buried oh. in that. <laughs> uh, yeah, like just the the excitement of every it's discovery excitement. is something exciting. Yeah, it it's is. Very, it's yeah. true. It is. Yeah, I love it. And that's why I love watching NASA press conferences yeah. too, because all the scientists are just so excited. Yeah, that's right. They're like, all energized. They, they just the make you excited as well, yeah. and it's so great. And the science is great too. They love to explain simply things that, yeah. that they're finding or hope to find. Yeah, nice. really good. Wow. I just wanted to add as a side note quickly on a slightly different topic. We had a question in our Discord about Jupiter. We might look at that next episode unless you want to say something about it quickly now, Caroline, or do you want to look do you want to do a bit more homework about Jupiter being the vacuum cleaner? I could do a little just well, in thirty seconds. Is Jupiter the vacuum cleaner or not? I could so, do it. Yeah, I could do it. it in thirty seconds. Go for it. <laughs> so basically, yes, Jupiter is thought to be the vacuum cleaner of our solar system. It has such a great gravitational pull that it pulls anything that is remotely close to it. Wow. It has about 92 moons, so that yep. just shows you what power it has. And that's basically, yes, it'll bring anything close to it. The other side of thing is the gravitational pull is so strong that it could fling stuff into the middle as well. <laughs> oh. Yes. But basically, yeah, it is thought to be the the vacuum cleaner and it probably does protect the inner planets from large objects that could otherwise just sail past and what? crash into us but yeah so there you it's go. like one of those vacuums with the reverse button the it, it can both suck things up but also blow things out blow things out so it, yeah. yeah yeah that's yeah cool thank you for that okay. the other thing like the fascinating thing we've talked i'm sure in a previous episode we talked about how our jupiter is not in the typical place you might find a Jupiter-type mm. planet. Like, That's right. Yeah. Most Jupiter-like planets are called hot Jupiters because mm-hmm. they're close to the sun. That's correct, yeah. The, you could call it maybe miraculous thing about our mm. Jupiter, it is in the one of the outer planets. And, yeah, being the vacuum cleaner, you can see how it um, does something amazing for our planet, being like a bodyguard, I guess, yeah, <laughs> protecting could, from anything. Could you say it's contributed big. to the fact that we're here at all or...? 
in some way or wow. is that going too far? Mm. Uh, that's something you can ponder, yeah. isn't it? I mean, you can really think about um, Earth is just the fact that we're here the place where Earth is in the solar system. Mm. It's like the Goldilocks oh, thing. Yeah. It's not too hot, not too cold. If you look at Venus and you look at Mars, they both potentially could have life on them. If their conditions were better, potentially they did have life. But things Mars doesn't have such a great magnetosphere for some reason and the atmosphere gets blown off. It's mostly carbon dioxide. There's evidence that there could have been water there. What happened to it? And then you look at Venus. It's got sulfurous clouds. It's hot. It's the hottest planet in the solar system because of the thick atmosphere. But when there were landers, the Russian landers actually a while ago landed there, they found that there were geological features that looked very much like what was on Earth as well. Yet there's no life there that we can see. So these are fun things to think about, really. Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. totally. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for that. I put you on the spot. Thank you for that. So (laughs) It's fun to think about. Now, normally we would spend some time talking about entertainment. We're getting very close to the end of where we should be because we're trying to keep it within an hour. So everyone in a sentence, one thing that's entertaining you very quickly. Caroline, I'll go to you first of all. <laughs> I'll put you on the spot. <laughs> I have been watching YouTube videos about pugs because we have a pug <laughs> and about grooming dogs cool. and about the show called It's Me or the Dog where there's that lady trainer, Victoria, helping people to train their dogs because they are way out of control. Ah. So there you go. It's been very youtube Videos about dogs, basically. Oh, and always about Egypt and stuff right. as well. Oh. <laughs> there you go. Ancient history documentaries. So now we know the real reason why Caroline hasn't been podcasting with us lately. She's been, <laughs> uh, I've been watching yeah. a lot of things about dogs. <laughs> All right, Lino, in 10 seconds, what have you been What have you been up to? Picard. Entertainment-wise. Picard? Are oh, you watching Star uh, Trek Picard? Yes, we are. Okay. I'm just quickly yeah. just saying a bit about some of the characters and everything. Yes, we started from season one and uh, season yep. two. We're up nice. almost the end of season two, but I, I like yeah. them both. I, I'm, cool. I'm waiting for season three. Nice. Yeah. Oh, season three is the, the creme de la creme of Picard. It's just so yeah, good. Yeah, yes. Yeah, I yeah. like them all. I like Can't them. wait. I like them all. Can't wait for you to watch season three. Yeah. <laughs> and really briefly, all I'm going to say is Bosch is back, baby. <laughs> all right. So Bosch Legacy season two, they released four episodes to start with and then two episodes per week now until the end of the season. So... I just feel so right. What is that stream on again? That's on Amazon. Yeah, it streams on Amazon. Amazon, yeah. okay. I like it. it. It can be quite gritty, just warning everyone, but I just love the characters, love the show. Dom was the one who put me onto it. He spoke about it on Raising the Bets years ago, and it was locked down. I needed something to watch. I tried it, and I was hooked instantly, and I've been loving it since. <laughs> and when SBS awesome. denied me the opportunity to watch it, Dom, <laughs> Dom, by the power of Plex, gave me access. So bless him. That's an act of mercy, right there. So yeah, loved it. All right. So with that in mind, yeah, let's let's put it let's put an end to it right there. So we want to thank you all so much for joining us for episode 108 of the Catholics of Oz. Now with added Caroline. But before we go, we'd like to, <laughs> we'd like to take a moment to thank added Caroline. Yep, with a dash of Caroline. Yep, and we'd like to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the Catholics of Oz. Today, we would love to thank Anita H., Greg B., Jonathan A., Luke E., and Tim and Marie M. Through their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give, they make it possible for the Catholics of Oz and all of the other shows on StarQuest to continue. And you can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. 
And as always, please keep us in your prayers because that is uh, just as important as um, the financial contributions that keep this network going. Also, we'd love to know your thoughts about the topics we've discussed today. And you can send us feedback by visiting sqpn.com slash oz, where you can also find our show notes. And don't forget to sign up for the SQPN Insiders Club newsletter to get updates about what's happening with the network and, your, what, and what's happening on your favorite shows, sqpn.com slash about slash newsletter. And if you'd like to link up with us on any of the socials, StarQuest, sorry, Facebook.com slash StarQuest Media is where you'll find us on Facebook, Twitter, or X. I don't know what I'm supposed to say now, but just at SQPN. And also Instagram, look for the StarQuest. Yeah, look for StarQuest. And then we have our own Catholics of Oz Facebook page, facebook.com slash Catholics of Oz, spelt O-Z. And you can also, oh, Discord, discord.sqpn.com slash Discord. Come join the community there. That's where we get quite a few science questions, which we love. So please, so please come there and join the science discussion. Some of them I can't even keep up with because there are some really amazing scientific minds on Discord in, mm. in our StarQuest Discord. Yeah, and yeah. sometimes, oh, yeah, I know what they're talking about. Other times, like, yeah, this guy's really smart. <laughs> so, <laughs> really fascinating what you learn there as well. Or you can reach us at good old email, catholicsofoz at sqpn.com. Caroline, so great to have you back on the show again. Thank you so much um, for being here and for Thank all the you. insights you've given us. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. And Lino Sabol, so great to have you with us as well. It has been a total blast. And for you, Lindsay, Bosch is back again. Yep. Bosch is back. Yep. Tell a friend. <laughs> Bosch is back. <laughs> Bosch is back. back. It had to come out. Sorry, yeah. I had to. Yeah. Uh, I'm okay. I'm okay. No, I'm not laughing so much. But yeah, take care, yeah. take care, everyone, and God bless. And yes, thank you, Caroline. God bless everyone. We've missed thank you. So thanks, much. guys. I miss being with you guys. I did. No, thank great. you. It's been really yeah. fun to be back. Thank and you. Once yeah. again, I'm Lindsay Sands. Thank you so much for joining us for episode 108 of the Catholics of Oz on StarQuest. Here's another show on the StarQuest Network you're sure to enjoy. PlayStation Portable. Find it wherever fine podcasts are found or at starquest.fm slash PSP. We'd like to thank Patrick McCaffrey of Moonshadow Studios for editing this episode. To have your audio edited professionally and with care, check out more of Patrick's work at moonshadowstudios.biz. That's moonshadowstudios.biz.